was a senior, she was a junior. We were in the same class together and ended up in the same study group. She said she signed up for my group because she knew I was a good student. Really, we know why she signed up for my group. We dated for about 11 months before finally getting engaged in 1997. I proposed under the arch in St. Louis. Go Cardinals! We were married on August 1st, 1998 in Auburn, Indiana. It was a great day with our family and many of our great friends. We've called something like seven different places home and lived in four different states while serving three different churches in our 13, almost 14 years of marriage. Three beautiful kids along the way. What can I say? I'm married to my best friend and these have been the greatest years of my life. She hadn't seen that yet, so that was the uh, little gift. I was expecting some more laughter at those pictures, though, that were up there on the screen. I mean, come on, people, you know, really no bow tie, the little black stud for the uh, collar instead. Not the stud me, but, you know, the little thing that was in the shirt. But anyway, hey, we want to welcome you to Genesis today. My name is Paul Mumon. I'm the lead pastor here, and this is my wife, Jenny. Now, if you're new with us today... You might be walking in thinking, oh, that's kind of interesting, like his wife preaches with him. Well, no, that's not really the case. In fact, here's how it kind of went. A few weeks ago, as I was looking ahead to this series and this particular message, I walked into the house, walked into the kitchen, and I said, "Um, hey, Jenny, I have a really, really good idea. What would you think about sharing with me in one of my messages? And she said, no. (laughs) And I said, well, would you at least think about it for a little bit? Just did. No. She just did. No. And then I played the God card and I said, well, would you consider praying about it? And you did pray about it. And what did God say to you? That's exactly what I want you to do. And that's the lesson for today. All right. (laughs) Always do what God says. It's really that easy, folks. So let's pray. We'll just be dismissed. So no. But seriously, we want to uh, welcome you here today uh, for this series uh, that we've been doing here at Genesis. This is our second week in a series that we're simply calling the vow. And what we're doing over these four weeks together is we're looking at four vows, four promises that if incorporated in any marriage have the potential to make a marriage a, a really a wonderful thing. That, that God wants to do a beautiful, awesome thing in each of our marriages today. And, and what we're talking about today applies to those of you who, uh, applies to those of you who have been married, whether that be for one year, uh, maybe you've been married for five years or even for 30 years. Uh, It applies to those of you who are in college or maybe just out of college and single and hope to be married one day. Uh, What we want to talk about today and in the coming weeks applies to those of you, maybe you're divorced and you're hoping to be married again. Or maybe you're listening for a friend today. You know, maybe you're here as a mom or a dad and you've got an older son or an older daughter and you know that they're really struggling in their marriage uh, right now. And so what we share with you today might be able to help. Uh, Last week, Steve opened this series talking about the vow of priority, all right, the promise of priority that in every marriage, every husband, every wife is committing to this vow of priority, which just basically says this, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The vow of priority says that next to Christ, you are my priority. And that's what it means for me, that as a husband, you know, next to Jesus Christ, my wife, Jenny, is my priority. It means every husband living this way. It means that your relationship with Jesus Christ comes first, but your wife comes second. Uh, that's not your work. Uh, it's, it's not hunting. It's not working on cars. You know, it's your relationship with God, and your second priority is your wife before anyone else. It means every wife living the same way, that my relationship with God comes first, 
but my husband is second. Not kids and then husband, but your wife or your husband comes second. Your husband is your priority, second only to God. It's what we call the vow of priority. And so today we're going to talk about the vow of pursuit. And the vow of pursuit is this. It says, I will pursue you always. This is the promise I make as a husband or wife. I will never give up pursuing my spouse. So it's me saying, Paul, as your wife, I will always pursue you. Now, what does it mean to pursue your spouse? And that's what we want to talk a little bit about today. It, it, it basically means this. It means doing those things you once did. It, it means pursuing your spouse like you did when you were dating. It means pursuing your spouse like you did when, when you first got married. You know that you and I, we can't ever get away from doing those things no matter how long you've been married. I mean, look at it this way. How many of you, maybe looking back, how many of you would say that you've ever made a crazy fool of yourself in the name of love, all right? You know, I mean, maybe in the, in the name of the pursuit, you know, it was the thoughtful notes that you used to send, or it was the late nights up together on the phone, you know, just talking on end, you know, who's going to hang up the phone first, you know, it's doing those things when you were dating that, that led to, you know, being married. I mean, we've all done some crazy things in the name of love. Like, I, I remembered when Jenny and I were dating, um, it was the summer, I was living in Anderson. And at the time she was living in Fort Wayne, she had been away on a trip for a couple of weeks and I hadn't seen her and she was just coming back to Fort Wayne, but we knew that we weren't going to see each other until the weekend. I was still working and, uh, and so she made it home from her trip. Her mom had brought her back from the airport. She wasn't expecting to see me for a couple of days. She had gone into the house to see the rest of her family. Well, I was down the street and saw them come and, and so I snuck up. I got in the trunk of the car. All right. And so when Jenny came out to get into the trunk to get her suitcase, there I was. All right. And, and I got to tell you that this little method of scaring hasn't ended. Like I, that's a little game that I play today. I've been known to hide in closets and dark hallways. And uh, it's just all about keeping the love going. Or right? roll, roll out of bed while I think we're going to sleep. You roll out of bed quietly and come over and put your arm on me and go, hey, yeah, in a really deep voice. Uh -huh. Hey, just keeping it real, you know. Yeah. That is true. But we've all got stories like that, right? We've all got stories of how we pursued one another. I mean, maybe you remember that first date and so you got a fresh perm, you know, that day. Or maybe it was the guest jeans that you saved for that occasion or the polo shirt or something. You had to make sure that your hair was just right. Or you'd start showing up in that same place that you knew he or she was going to be just coincidentally, right? Uh, we all do these things. I mean, it's the pursuit. And it's not limited to humans either. I mean, believe it or not, animals pursue one another in the name of love. Watch, watch this video. Isn't that awesome? Rejected. Every girl I ever tried to date until Jenny. Rejected. That's my story. But the truth is that we'll go to great lengths to pursue the one we want. And that's why we're talking about the vow of pursuit today. And the vow of pursuit basically says this. It's why it's so important for every person in every marriage, no matter how long you've been married, you can't ever quit pursuing your spouse. You just can't ever give up in this. It has to continue even long after your wedding day. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever noticed by nature how we tend to pursue what we don't have? I mean, we'll pursue what we don't have. I mean, we see this in romantic relationships too. And so maybe it's someone that you are dating or that you want to date and you'll pursue them and you'll make the effort and you'll make the sacrifices and, and you'll do what you need to do to pursue the one that you want. But the sad thing is this, and I just think this happens so often and we see it in our marriages too, that when you finally get what it is that you want, it's easy to get sloppy. It's easy to get a little complacent to give up pursuing the one 
that we wanted so much. And then add some kids to the mix and change in life and seasons and things get a little challenging. And all of a sudden, over time, husband and wife stop pursuing one another. You stop doing those things that brought you together in the first place. I mean, how many marriages do you know today where the passion or the love seems to be all but gone? I mean, it's sad and unfortunate, and if you find yourself in that sort of a situation or you, you kind of see it fizzling out, it doesn't take long before the questions start coming up of, well, why don't we have what they have? Or, you know, I wish we had the love that they had in their marriage. It's this grass is always greener on the other side sort of stuff. But I like what one wise person said. He said, you know, instead of worrying about other people's yards all the time, what would happen if we just started taking care of our own? And just saying, you know, I, the grass could be as green on this side. Here's what I've learned as a husband. Here's what I've learned as a pastor. And I I share this with every couple that I marry. The key to marriage, the key to a successful marriage is not stumbling upon a mate like he or she is a winning lotto ticket or something. That's not the key to marriage. The key to a healthy marriage isn't about finding the right person. The key to a healthy marriage is being the right person. That's what it is. It's you and I making the commitment to be the right person in our marriages. And what does that mean to be the right person in your marriage today? Well, it means you put Christ first. And your spouse is second to no one but him. It's the vow of priority, which we talked about last week. It means that you pursue your spouse always, that you never give up pursuing the one that you've married. You want a healthy, thriving marriage in your life and in your home. No matter how long you've been together, you can't ever quit pursuing your spouse. When it it comes to your marriage, what our challenge is for you today is to look to the Bible. The meaning of marriage explains how the Bible has wisdom to offer for so many aspects of life. But even in this wisdom, I'm cutting out. Um, It says nothing specifically about how schools should be run. It doesn't give a perfect business model. There you go. Try that. There is no specific information on how a business should be run. Um, There's no specific information how healthcare should be regulated. But marriage is different. At the climax of the Genesis account of creation, we see God bringing Adam and Eve together in marriage. And isn't it interesting that the Bible starts with marriage and then in Revelation it ends when in marriage with Christ and the church. So don't miss this. Marriage is God's idea. It's a human institution, but the concept and the roots of marriage are from God. Therefore, what the Bible says about his design, God's design for marriage is critical. And so the question is this. If marriage is instituted by God... And if God invented marriage, shouldn't we make every effort to understand his plan for it? Yeah, I mean, it'd be like just any electronic that you would purchase. And you want to know exactly how that electronic works. I mean, I want to read the manual. I want to read the manual, you know, that the designer put together so I can best understand his plan for it. And so at Genesis Church, we look to God's manual. I mean, we look to Scripture, we look to God's Word, even for matters, such an important matter like marriage. And and last week we looked at one very important, very foundational verse for every marriage, and it's found in the book of Genesis. And if you've got your Bibles and you want to turn there with us uh, to the book of Genesis, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 2, just one verse, uh, verse 24. It's for you here on the screens too. Uh, It goes like this, Genesis 2.24 says, For this reason... A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Now, we're just looking at verse 24 today, but to fully understand the context of the passage, you really need to look at verses 15 to 25 as they describe how God purposely made us male and female. 
And next, God laid out his perfect plan, his perfect design for marriage. God's plan for marriage is that a man would leave his parents and would be united to his wife and the two would become one flesh. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more next week. This is God's design through the covenant of marriage that husband and wife are no longer two people, but they become one, one flesh. That man and woman are joined together spiritually in such a way that no one should ever be able to pull them apart. Now, if you're looking at verse 24 and if you've got your own Bible with you, I want you to see one key word that is in there. And you might even want to circle this one word. And it's the word that we're focusing on today. It's the word united. All right, it's the word united. It comes from the Hebrew word debak, and it's translated literally this. It's, it, it's translated to cleave, to join together, uh, to pursue one another, to catch by pursuit, or to pursue hard. God's plan for marriage is one man and one woman united together in the covenant of marriage, glued together, literally glued together, joined together, pursuing one another, I mean, there isn't a more important verse in the Bible on the foundation of marriage, on the definition of marriage, than Genesis 2.24. And Jesus confirmed and upheld this teaching later on in Scripture, in Matthew chapter 19, verse 5, when he said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. There it is again. It's the word united. That the two will become one. They will be joined together, forever pursuing one another. Not two, but one. Hey, here's what I hope. Here's what we hope and what we're praying for you today. That whether you're married, you know, maybe you're single and you've got an awful view and an awful opinion of marriage right now because what you saw in your home between mom and dad for so long. I hope, we hope and pray this, that one of the keys that you will see to a successful marriage is this. It's the vow of pursuit. You can't ever give up pursuing your spouse. You can't ever give up on this. I mean, you can't fold in this area. You can't neglect your marriage and just hope that it turns out in the end. I mean, think about it. I mean, think about something important in your life. What's something important in your life that you hope grows and becomes successful, and yet you can neglect it and just hope that it turns out? I mean, you can't do that with your car. I mean, if you've got a car and you don't change the oil once in a while or rotate the tires, or if you avoid that little engine light long enough, your car is going to break down. I mean, the same is true with your yard. If you don't take care of your yard and water your yard and mow it and fertilize it once in a while, it's going to dry up. Or your body, if you don't eat right and exercise and get the rest you need, your body will pay the price. You can't neglect any of these areas and hope that everything works out. So what makes us think that we can just throw our marriages into autopilot and expect them to thrive? Do you really think you can get by without making your marriage a priority? Can we really stop pursuing our spouse just because the marriage license says that we're married? Yeah, I mean, here, here's what's really sad to us, and I know that many of you share this too. I mean, what's really sad to us are people, you know, even people close to us who have little to no need for God in their lives right now. That's sad. But it's also hurting marriages. And we know that there are a number of hurting marriages today, that there are a lot of people hurting today and seeing men and women drifting apart. I mean, marriage can be a beautiful thing, but it, it can also it can also be a very difficult, a very complicated, it can be your worst nightmare too. And, and when you look at it like this, I mean, no one goes into a marriage praying for a mediocre marriage, right? I mean, no one does that. I mean, we all want a healthy, thriving sort of a marriage. And, and do you know what else? God wants that too. I mean, God wants a healthy marriage for you. He is the designer for it. He has a great purpose for your marriage and for my marriage. His desire is that every marriage would be a healthy, passionate marriage. And, and he created them. And because he did, uh, we can turn to him for support and advice. Listen, you know, we're up here today. We get to share from this stage today, but we're not perfect. All right? Um, we fight. 
we get on each other's nerves. You know, we go through difficult seasons. I mean, we're not sitting here today because we've got all of this figured out. I mean, do I consistently make Jenny the priority in my life? No, I fail in that all the time, and she the same. We're not here today because we're perfect, but we are committed to this. And we believe that marriage is a gift from God and it is a beautiful thing in our lives. And we believe that the same for you. And and we know that God brought us together. And we know that a healthy marriage doesn't just happen. I mean, we're leaning on God and we're trusting God and we're practicing these important things. I mean, we're practicing these important principles. and, And do you know what? I mean, we're thankful for one another and we're growing and we're learning as we go. And it's it didn't happen just because we got lucky. I mean, it happened because we're working on this. I mean, we're doing all that we can to be the right person in our marriage for one another. And and just because we've been married for 13 years, I mean, 13, right? Did I get that right? Just because we've been married for 13 years doesn't mean that we can quit pursuing one another. So today we want to get practical with you and offer some suggestions for how you can pursue your spouse. Men, what does it mean for you to pursue your wife? And women, what does it mean for you to pursue your husband? Paul will share a few for the men, and I'm going to share a few for the women. And let me just add this. I mean, anytime we get this practical, I know that we always take the chance of someone thinking, oh, it's just that easy, huh? Like, I, I got 20 years of marital problems, but if I just do these three things, huh, then it'll all just go away. I mean, it'll really just be as easy as that. No, I, I don't want to um, overlook what might be the complexity of a really difficult situation in your marriage right now. We don't want that. So please don't let that come across today. And I will add this. If that's where you are right now, you can get help. And there are some great professionals out there. And we would love to talk with you as a church. I'd be happy to share with you in that confidentially and help get you pointed in the right direction to offer you that support you need. But no matter the situation, These practices that we're going to talk about today, I guarantee you they work in any and every marriage. And whether you've been together for a year or 20 years, whether things are going well or not so well, I guarantee you that that right practices and right habits can have a great impact on any life, on any marriage. I mean, you know, look at it this way. The last time I checked, Albert Pujols still takes batting practice before every game. You know, Danny Granger still shoots a lot of free throws, you know, in practices. It's about incorporating these right practices and habits into your marriage. And so we're going to talk about the importance of the pursuit in your marriage. You know, what what does it mean for you to pursue your spouse and to never give up in this? You know, what does that mean for you if you're married? You know, what does it mean for you to continue or to start pursuing your spouse once again? Or if you're single and you want to be married, I mean, to be married or to take that step towards marriage says, okay, I'm ready to do these things. Like, this is part of the commitment that I'm making as I get ready to marry, you know, my soon-to-be husband or my soon-to-be wife. And so I'm going to talk to the men first. Again, very practical. Uh, Men, what does it mean for you to pursue your wife? And you can think about these in your particular situation. But if you're taking notes, uh, follow along with me. The first thing is this. Men, you need to pursue your wife with uh, your conversation. You need to pursue your wife with your conversation. I mean, it's words, men. I mean, we're, we're talking about talking, you know, it, it's the conversations. It's, you know, how does your wife want to be pursued? She wants to be pursued with conversation. She wants to have a conversation with you where you're engaging and she's engaging and that you're listening and that every once in a while you nod and give her some sort of impression that you're still there. 
you know, you're still listening. You're following along with her, as my wife likes to say. I need to get some words out for the day. All right. You know, she needs to get some words out. And men, there's a really good chance that she needs to get more words out than you do. And and I have to be reminded of this all the time. And I have to get called out on this uh, all of the time. I mean, my wife loves to talk and she loves to have conversations with me conversations again where we're both engaging and i'm only exempt from this on sundays when i've preached three services 90 minutes total and i can come home and say babe i ain't got any more words today all right and so that's the only time i'm exempt from this but no seriously it's about talking in conversation because here's the thing there's a really good chance that you're talking and your conversations with that person in your life it's what brought you together and so you can't ever get away from those things you have to continually make this a practice in your marriage so how do we practice this we make talking a priority especially when paul comes home from work when we we obviously have children now and so when we throw them into the mix it makes it a little more complicated and so a lot of times we'll send them to their room or to a different room or outside and we lock the door no i'm just kidding um but it really is important for our kids to see us talking in that way and um And it really is a sign of security, too. I mean, even for your children to see mom and dad engaging all the time is a great sign of security. And this can start even when your children are babies. You can put them on a blanket, have them stay on the blanket. It takes a lot of training, but you need to do that over and over and over again. And again, that gives your children security in knowing that mom and dad are okay when they see them talking. Yeah, I mean, the big idea is just this conversation is so important. I mean, talking with your spouse, what brought you together, you know, I mean, is a part of what keeps you together. And so men, pursue your wife with your conversation. The second thing is this, is to pursue her with your affection. Um, You know, this is about something thoughtful that you do for her so that she knows she is loved by you. Uh, It's doing those things that say, I love you. I mean, you do those things uh, to remind her that you're thinking of her and not always just for sex either. You know, Jenny loves when I call during the day just to see how she's doing, you know, to check in on her day and to tell her a little bit about mine. I mean, she loves when I help out around the house once in a while as a way of serving her or serving, you know, with her. I mean, so what is it for your wife? I mean, what is it that you can do for your wife that best communicates that you love her, that you're thinking about her? I mean, it's important that you know this, men. And if you don't know this, you need to do some work in this. You need to discover and understand and figure out what is it that makes my wife feel loved. I mean, if your wife is a flower person, you know, you give flowers. I mean, I can give Jenny flowers once in a while, but she's not a big flowers person. And so if I did that week after week, I mean, what I intended as a thoughtful gift could quickly wear out. And so we want to recommend a couple of books for you today. And one book that if you've never read, you might want to check out is a book entitled The Five Love Languages uh, by Gary Chapman. Uh, Jenny and I read this in our premarital counseling uh, 13 years ago, and it's been a great book for us as Gary Chapman does a great job of outlining how men and women are different and how we feel loved in different ways. And he outlines five ways. And so in, in thinking about your wife, what is it for you? I mean, what is it for her? Is it words of affirmation? You know, it's notes that you can leave her. It's the things that you can look into her eyes and say about her and and be very genuine in them. Maybe that's how she feels loved. Uh, Maybe it's quality time. And so that might mean planning and preparing those surprise dates or making sure that there's an evening at home with no TV and just lots of talking. You know, maybe your wife feels loved through gifts. 
And so it's the flowers, or it's a note, or it's a gift card to the spa, or, or maybe you just give her the gift of an afternoon off where you've got the kids and she's out on her own to do whatever she wants to do on that particular day. Uh, maybe it's acts of service, and so it means that you get the laundry started, or if she's the one that's always getting the kids breakfast, you know, you jump out of bed and you get the kids breakfast once in a while. Uh, maybe it's physical touch. You know, that's another way of, of showing your love. And sometimes that involves sex, but sometimes that involves non-sexual touching. And men, yes, there is such a thing as non-sexual touching, supposedly. But uh, <laughs> you better know how your wife best feels loved and make sure that you do those things. And so pursue her with your conversation, pursue her with your affection. And the last thing that I want to share is to pursue her with your protection. To pursue her with your protection. Now, what's this? It's the confidence and the reminders that you're going to be around, that you're not going anywhere. No matter how difficult it may be or challenging of a season that you're going through together by yourself, that you guys are going to see it out. I mean, she is trusting you with her fears and emotions. I mean, it means lifting her up around other people. It means that when she's not with you, that you're speaking positively of her, you know, in front of your friends or in-laws or whatever that may be. It's, it's loving your kids so that she's confident in the dad that you're becoming. Men, pursue your wife with conversation. Pursue her with your affection. And pursue her with your protection. I mean, what do you need to start doing today? You know, what does this look like in your life? What are some of the practices that you can establish? Don't ever give up pursuing your wife. And what does this mean for women? Um, ladies, your husband wants to be pursued by you, too. So how does he want to be pursued? The first thing is to pursue him with your respect. Webster's Dictionary defines respect as to consider worthy of high regard. Ephesians 5.33 says, However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. With this verse, Paul gives very specific instructions for husbands to love their wives and for wives to respect their husbands. The Greek word Paul uses for respect here is the word phobeo. It means to be in awe or to revere. So do you consider your husband worthy of high regard in this way? Does he inspire awe in you? Maybe, maybe not. But God calls us as wives to respect our husbands. So be respectful both to his face and behind his back. Choose to speak respectfully to, about him to your children, to your mom, and even to your best friend. You need to respect your husband. The second thing is to pursue him with your support. Your husband is probably more insecure than you realize. Most men have a great fear of failing as husbands, dads, and at their work. You can play an important role in your husband's life as you pursue him with your support. Offer your comfort and encouragement. One of the most important things that you can do for your husband is to pray for him. Not to just pray for him, but tell him that you're praying for him. Ask him how you can be praying for him. I know the challenges that Paul has in life. We've walked through these challenges together now for, did you say 13 years? Yes, yeah, 13 right. years. I know that I can uh, support him in the good times and in the challenging times, and I can remind him that no matter what happens, he's not in control, but God is in control. And, you know, Jenny has just been such a great encouragement to me, uh, support to me in so many ways, but, like, I'll tell you that she's not one that just loosely hands out compliments. And so, for example, you know, um, I don't expect a compliment from her every time that I preach. But I do know that when she says, hey, that was a really good message today, that she means it. And I'll tell you that those words go a long way 
when she says that. I'll tell you another way that she supports me is she realizes that I need some alone time once in a while. I need to be recharged so that I can be a better dad, a better husband, and you know, a better pastor. And so she knows I've got to go hit a softball once in a while or, or play some basketball or something. And wives, your husbands need this too. They do. They need that alone time. They need that guy time to get recharged. Now, men, you can't abuse or take advantage of this time. And the challenge for some of you right now is that you spend so much time with work or so much time with a hobby, and you're neglecting some of the priorities of your home. And, and you need to pay attention to those priorities, again, in sharing in this one another. Uh, but this is a great way that Jenny uh, shows support and, and encouragement to me. The third way that you can pursue your husband is to pursue him with physical intimacy. <clears throat> now, the last time I gave a speech, I was in college, And I can promise you, it was not on the subject of sex. But today, this is something that we need to address because it is a very important part in the husband-wife relationship. And I'll just add that even though it's listed as number three, these aren't in chronological order. So if we want, you know, you can go ahead and raise it up there. We got a thumbs up in the back. All right, so go ahead. So we need to realize that sex is a gift from God. It's a gift. God created it. And we tend to forget that God is the one who designed sex and that he designed it for married couples. So, ladies, one of the most important ways that you can pursue your husband and love him and show that you love him is through this God-given gift. So before that you go thinking about it's all about his needs and that's all he wants, it may be surprising to you, but your husband wants to please you even more than he wants to be pleasured. It may seem like it's all about him, but what he really wants emotionally is to see how much he, he can... Um, how much you can enjoy the pleasure that he can give you. And if he fails to do that or you won't allow him to, he'll end up feeling inadequate, lonely, or even unloved. Most men want to be their wife's hero. So you can show your love for him by pursuing him with physical intimacy. Good job. (laughs) I did it. You know, we realize, too, that this can be, this is a really tough point. For some people and in some marriages, and uh, you know, we, we've got some friends. We've had some friends in our past that have shared really openly about some of the struggles with an area like this. And so, you know, we don't take it lightly, and and you shouldn't either. I mean, this this is an important part of every marriage. God designed it, you know. And when it's working right, and husband and wife are on the same page, I mean, it, it's one of the most beautiful aspects of marriage that God has given to us. Um, We want to share another book with you that you might find very helpful. It's a great read um, by Dr. Kevin Lehman. And Dr. Kevin Lehman is a Christian psychologist. Uh, He's written a book entitled Sheet Music. uh, And the subtitle is Uncovering the Secrets of Sexual Intimacy in Marriage. I think you should have won a Pulitzer personally. uh, but, But a great book. And again, just a great recommend for every marriage, whether you've been together for a year, five, 25 Uh, Maybe you're an engaged couple, and if you've got a date on the calendar and you're working towards your wedding day, this would be a great book for you to read as a couple as you get ready uh, for your first time together. You know, again, pursue him with your respect. Um, Pursue him with your support. I'm sorry. I think you're supposed to say this part. Sorry. (laughs) Go ahead. Pursue him with your physical intimacy. Two quick things, hey, before we close. You know, again, no one prays for a mediocre marriage. All right, we all want a healthy, thriving marriage. It's what God wants for us, too. And so two quick things before we close. And, and as I say this, I know that we have a whole bunch of people here today. And if you're married, you're, you're in many different places with your marriage right now. I mean, some of you, it's going so well. And some, it's going okay. And, and some of you, if you were really honest, you would say, you know, it's really tough right now. 
I mean, things aren't going very well. We're just, we're just barely holding on here. And so two things before we close. No matter where you are in your marriage, write this down. To get what you've never had, you've got to be willing to do what you've never done. All right, and it just basically means this. No matter how bad it may be, don't give up. Please don't give in. I mean, your marriage can be a great and wonderful and amazing thing. I mean, you can have a, a great marriage. You can make your marriage a priority, and you can find your way through in this. And why not? I mean, when you think about it, why can't it get better? I mean, it can get better. And if it's bad, you know, it can get better again. It can be healed. And it doesn't have to end like this. I mean, the same God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available to you and to me and to our marriages. And if you lean on him and if you trust him, if you're patient and if you're willing to do the hard work, he can do some amazing things. I mean, if it's going to get better in your marriage to get what you've never had, you'll have to be willing to do maybe some of the things that you've never done before. And so, men, pursue your wife. Don't quit pursuing her. She is God's gift to you. Again, it's not about finding the right person. It's about being the right person in your marriage. And so make Jesus Christ the priority in your life, but your wife comes second to no one else but Jesus. She doesn't. You know, you can find another job. There's always going to be another day for golf and always another time for your hobby, but you're not going to get your marriage back. And so get this right. And if you've got kids, you know, you may think that the greatest gift that you'll give to your kids is four years of college tuition. It isn't. It's a marriage. You know, it's a beautiful marriage, a great example of what marriage can be that you can give that gift to your kids. And for women, it's, again, pursue your husband. No one is perfect. We talked about that. I'm not perfect. Paul's not perfect. No two people are perfect. You may think that you married the wrong man, but the truth is that we all marry the wrong person. We're all broken. We're all sinners. We all need Jesus. We all... Our husband needs Jesus as much as we do. So pursue your husband, even if you don't feel like it. You can control your emotions, but you can't, I'm sorry, you cannot always control your emotions, but you can control your actions. And a lot of times, right emotions will follow the right actions. And so to get what you've never had, you've got to be willing to do what you've never done. But the last thing is this. And if you once had it and you lost it, to get what you once had, you've got to be willing to do the things you once did. I mean, if for whatever reason your marriage got off on the wrong road, turn the car around and go back to the right road. I mean, do what it takes. Get the help that you need. You know, work on putting some of these practices to place, uh, in place in your marriage. And it may take longer than a day or a week. It may take months. It might even take a year. But to get what you once had, you've got to be willing to do those things you once did. I mean, no one's going to fight for your marriage for you. You've got to fight for it. And God's on your side. And it can be one of the most beautiful things in your life. Hey, if you'll bow your heads with us, uh, Jenny and I just want to pray with you as we close. Uh, Jenny's going to pray first, and then I'll pray. Father, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of marriage. We want to take this time today to pray for every marriage in this room. I want to specifically pray for the wives in this room that they would see their role as wife as a high and holy calling. Work in all of us as wives to pursue you first. Give us the desire to pursue our husbands in the way your word guides us. I pray that you would be with those women who are here today who are waiting to be married. Give them the patience and the faith to lean on you. And God, I want to pray for all of the husbands in the room right now. I pray, God, that you would show us how to best serve you and how to best serve and pursue our wives. You have called us to love our wives as Christ loved the church. 
Help us lean on You for all of the strength and wisdom we need each day. God, I pray that You would be with the men here today who are waiting to be married. Give them the faith and the patience to lean on You for all things. You know, and as we keep praying, I just want to say to you right now that your needs will never be completely met in any one man or any one woman. No matter how great or bad your marriage is going today, there are certain needs in this world that can only be met through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. You've got needs in your life today. But the question is, how much do you need Jesus? How much are you willing to surrender to Him? I pray that you'd be willing to surrender all of your marriage and all of your life to Him today. God, you know every heart and every life here, Lord. Lead us to trust you for all things. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who changes it all.